Hi, and welcome to The Tea with NSP, the brand new student-produced podcast from National Student Pride. I'm Morgan, this year's co-chair and third year at King's College London. The Tea with NSP is all about growing up and finding out who you are. Our podcast is an LGBTQ plus student-produced show that will focus on guests and issues that matter to you. This episode and the entire series is only made possible by the support of our incredible sponsors. Clifford Chance have been supporters of NSP for nine years and a headline sponsor for 2021. If you've been to previous events, you might have taken part in their voguing workshop or seen drag races Something Wong and Teal Coffee hosting their photo booth. Thank you Clifford Chance for your phenomenal support for the LGBTQ plus community. In terms of what we have coming up this week, we have the genuine national treasure, Lorraine Kelly. I really hope you love this one. She's going to be talking about her life growing up, the gay clubs of Glasgow, RuPaul, and everything in between. So I really think it's something you're going to enjoy. Remember to stick around to the end of the podcast and find out which Ru girl is our guest on episode two. And also remember to subscribe and enjoy the tea with NSP and Lorraine Kelly. So let's get into it, shall we? Hello listeners, welcome to National Student Prize newest podcast, aiming to give advice to students about university and work life, share some experiences with our weekly guests and talk about some issues within the community and as an entire planet too. I'm Rhys James and this is my good friend, David. Today guys, we've got TV royalty having a chat with us, the t- queen of ITV, Lorraine Kelly. Good to see you. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you, darling? I'm fine. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk to you. This is going to be really good fun. It's a pleasure. I'm glad you said yes. <laughs> I mean, well, first I was just going to ask, how has 2020 been? Because it's been a bit, I guess it must have been a bit strange for you because you're sort of like, doing the same stuff but like also the world's collapsing so i know you know what i'm really lucky david because i've been allowed to still be able to go to work which mm-hmm. has been fantastic um but strange you know it is it's, it's like we're in and i have to watch i can't swear but it's like we're in a yeah, really please. really really crap sci-fi film with really rubbish special effects and you know it's just yeah it feels like that doesn't it with a really bad script and we don't want to be here anymore thanks but I just feel so lucky that I'm still able to work and it's been really good the feedback from the audience because they're saying it's actually quite nice to see not not just me I mean to see everybody you know even peers to see him as well (laughs) because it sort of makes you think well there's a little bit of normality I mean I know It's a wee bit strange because, like, this morning, our very last guest, um, we were, like, a little bit worried because I went to say hello to her and we've got, like, eight minutes at the end before I have to say hello to, to Holly and Philip. Um, and it was Shirley Ballas from, from Straight to Come Dancing and she'd forgotten to unmute herself. So we were kind of like, yeah, you get that kind of, like, sphincter nipping, oh, God, how am I going to fill eight minutes? <laughs> the amount of times I have done that on a Zoom call. So even, like, that... That says something about 2020 when you're like, I can at least see Piers Morgan in the morning. I'm actually thinking that's a good thing. (laughs) 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 Do you know what? He really gets annoyed with me because when anybody asks me what he's like, he's actually okay. He really is. And he's very kind. um, And he's a very loyal friend. Like, if you're his pal, (laughs) we'll always have your back. Uh, but and a lot of it is just you know him being cheeky and seeing how far he can you know he can push things but every time I say how lovely he is he gets very very upset he says it's very bad for his brand <laughs> to be thoughtful is nice so I do it all the time of course to just annoy him <laughs> there is a weird thing about Pierce Morgan because like I feel you know 
we'll not get into some of his issues on trans people. We'll do for that. But like, he's a big supporter of like gay rights and stuff like that. And so he's he's one of these weird people where I'm like, oh God, I'm agreeing with Piers Morgan again. What's going on? I know exactly what you mean. There are so many things that we agree on, but so many things that we don't. And mm-hmm. um, the only thing with him is he's, he, he does always talk about free speech and always, you know, he does try and air issues but sometimes he just gets so carried away and you know what it's like sometimes you don't get a word in ways. I mean, I did the show with him for a couple of days and you just he's just like a runaway train and it's not its not that he's trying to shut you out. It, it's just him. I think mm-hmm. he just gets excited and he just wants to talk and talk and talk. And because it's live, you know, you just have to kind of go with it really. But um, yeah, him and Susanna today, in fact, celebrated their fifth anniversary, which I rather naughtily told him was a wood anniversary. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, that's the thing about about daytime telly. We can actually push boundaries and be really naughty. And the people that get it, get it. And the people that don't, it just goes all the way off the head. And that's fine. That's okay. But we do try and, and push boundaries, especially on my show, because I'm very mm-hmm. much, we're all the same. We're all the same. And we're all trying to go on with our lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand <laughs> people having to go at other people just because they happen to be a wee bit different. And, you know, when I was little, I was I always felt as if I was a wee bit on the outside just because it's a bit odd. Um, and we've all been a bit odd. You know, all of us, we've all been the other, if you like. Um, and I think it's really, really important that when people are on, you just get them to tell their story. You obviously don't make any judgments about them. You just, for me, it's all about giving people space to tell their story. And I've been so honestly, so lucky over the years, particularly with the LGBT plus community, because they have trusted me with their stories. And that's an amazing thing. And you should never, ever take that for granted. You know, when somebody's coming on to talk about whether or not it's about, you know, their trans journey or whether it's about them, you know, as a gay couple, believe it or not, when I first started out, people were still weird about gay people adopting children, which now you just think, how could it be? But then as I pointed out to my daughter, I was alive when it was illegal to be gay. It was actually illegal. So I was a lot, and that's so it's not that long ago. When you think about it, how far we've come from then, how far we still to go, of course, there's still a long way to go. But isn't it that I find that absolutely, I'm saying it to you, and it still makes me go, what? I'm more astonished that you're anywhere close to that age, Lauren. Looking at you. <laughs> and no, no work done, thank you. All these people that Twitter and say that I've had Botox and facelifts and body loadings and all the rest of it no it's uh, it's cheekbones it's my mother's cheekbones that I've inherited it's good genes you've been blessed <laughs> that, there's the caption Lorraine says no to plastic surgery that's it <laughs> Listen, do whatever you like do you know what do whatever you like but for me no because I've done so many so many items on people that I've had you know many women that have had plastic surgery it's like yikes mm. you know they look like Klingons and it's not good <laughs> um, you said you were a bit odd what was Lorraine like at you know 16, 17, 18 I was oh, 16, 17, 18 I was, I was a strange child I think I was a strange child and um, it was weird because I was brought up in the Gorbals in the east mm-hmm. end of, of Glasgow uh, in Bridgeton but because my mum and dad were good afters and my dad especially I mean he just worked all the hours going saints to make sure that me and my brother had really nice clothes my mum would I love you know that in Glasgow you see it's like a wee palace mm-hmm. you know it was a wee palace you know she made it all really lovely so when I went to school when I was a kid I was thought of as believe it or not posh so I used to 
bullied for that. I used to give people hair on, which is hilarious. Well, mind you, my mum didn't help by putting my hair in ringlets. You know, you used to put your hair, you used to do it in the old days with tights, you wear your mum's stockings and tights and put that in your hair so it was dead uncomfortable to sleep in. So I would go to school in the east end of Glasgow with ringlets and pink ribbons. I mean, I might as well just have held up a sign saying, kick me. <laughs> that sounds so cute. And then when we moved to East Cobride when I was a teenager, of course, I was then from Glasgow, so I was scruff. So they thought that, I, you know, so I went from being Mrs Posh person to not, so it was pretty weird. But I always was a bit of a, a, bit of a geek, actually, a bit mm. of a geek. Uh, you know, I loved science and astronomy and sci-fi movies and, you know, Star Trek and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I was a happy kid, but I was, I did always find it difficult to fit in. And I did kind of hang out with the same sort of people who also found it, you know, but not, they were the most, well, to be honest with you, I think outsiders sometimes are the most interesting people. They've got the most interesting backgrounds, you know, mm. so yeah. And and always there was that thing that my mum always said to my dad, is just treat everybody the same. Just treat mm. everybody exactly the same. It doesn't matter whether, you know, what money you've got or where you're from or who you are. You're just, we're all just trying to go on with it, which is true. It's, I guess this is more for Reese and anyone listening's benefit. Uh, the Gorbals is not the nicest of areas in Glasgow, should we say. <laughs> No, I can't think of the equivalent. But everybody, every city has got their, if you like, you know, like the East End of London, it's a great yeah. place, but, you know, and the people, are, and it's an amazing community. But, yeah, it's, I mean, the, the Gorbals was considered to be the worst, the most run-down area um, in Europe at, at one point. So, yeah, it was, you know, we lived in a little single end, which was like, now they would call it a bijou flat. <laughs> I mean, it's like at uni, you know, when you have when I, when I took my Rosie to university and I left her in the halls, and I'm like, oh my god, because it was just like a wee rabbit hutch. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like they just put some straw in the corner and she just made me hamster. They are so small. I remember going to my halls like, oh no, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> Is this where I have to keep my hats? You're probably <laughs> where, where do I sleep? <laughs> But no, so so you did all your stuff because you didn't go to uni. Was that like a big thing? Did you make like a conscious decision? Oh, David, it was a huge thing because I would have been the first one in our family. And it's, you know, it's a big deal in us families. And I'm loving that you're drinking iron poo, by the way. I saw that there. <laughs> got to represent. Oh, I love it. No, so yeah, it would have been a huge deal. And I did get a place at University of Glasgow to do uh, Russian and English. And I thought, you know, and, and that, that was the, the route I was going. And then I saw this advert to be a, a cub reporter, you know, a baby reporter in the local paper, the East Coast News. Applied for it and got it. But I'm obviously really glad it worked out really well. But I missed the, the university experience. I sort of had it by osmosis, really, because all my friends went to uni. So it was really, yeah, it was, it was like the best of both worlds, really, because all my friends went and they were all, you know, living in flats in Glasgow and I was still living with my mum and dad. But I would just crash out there at least at the weekend. So it was pretty good. But I do, I do miss, I, I miss the fact that I didn't get that experience, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do, because it was, you know, my daughter went to uni, my brother went to uni and, and they all had a great time. So and Plus it's not for everyone. No. <laughs> You've done well without university, so it's fine. <laughs> I think it's a great thing if it's, but you're absolutely right and you shouldn't, nobody should be bounced into it. But most of the people that I know that have got degrees, um, they don't necessarily 
go on to work in that field, you know, unless it's something like law or, or being a doctor, then obviously that's a different thing or a vet, that's different altogether. But I think for me, um, university is not just about that degree, it's about making friends for life, it's about learning social skills, it's about that other side of it, you know, the social side is very important. Because my daughter was little and I got to the school and they were all really competitive where we lived, all the mums, oh my God. And I would, I, would go to the, I would go to the school and like, you know, they'd be saying, was well, my child learning Japanese? And I'd be saying, has she got pals? You know, because <laughs> really important, you know, for them. Of course she's got to learn. But the thing is, everybody learns and it's fine. And she was, she was doing fine. But for me, it was much, much more important, especially when she was little, you know, in the primary school and everything, for her to have good pals and good social skills. And that that is a really, really important thing that we often forget about and a lot of people at university they, they find it just a bit overwhelming and right now god my heart goes out to anybody that's at uni or college because I mean you, we saw we've seen the news footage haven't we like we prisoners it's like let me out and it's it's just really sad because it's not good for mental health it's really not it, that's what I imagine because I I stayed at home my mum I basically applied for everywhere except from Glasgow um Glasgow uni didn't let me in so uh let's not talk about <laughs> it <Mary. laughs> um but I applied for everything. My mum said, can you not leave Glasgow? And I was like, well, I've only got one uni that I can go to then. Um, and so she, so I stayed there. And so I had a weird kind of experience of not having a student experience, but still staying at home. And then like my friends were all, you know, out getting, um, as they would say in Glasgow, mad with it. And I would, uh... I, I'm just going to try and put loads of Scottish words in that Reese won't get this whole thing. Me laugh. I'm just going to pretend and nod. <laughs> what I wanted to ask a, a cheeky one I want to see if I can get away with it is there any kind of like wild stories you've got from that time period where all your friends were in uni oh gosh yes we did we we, we were very very naughty and then I I worked as well and um, I used to because I it was a daft thing I got my job um, in East Coast News and then I moved to the BBC I only stayed at the BBC for a year as a researcher but the drop in salary meant that I had to get another job. So I got a job as a waitress in Glasgow and I was the worst waitress in Glasgow. And I only got the job because my lovely late friend Gary gave me the job. He was amazing. And he gave me the job. So we would, it kind of didn't really work out because it was supposed to be all about saving money so that I could pay the mortgage. And I would work all day and then I would go to the restaurant and be a really, really bad waitress. And then we would all go to Bennett's at night. And Bennett's was that famous um, gay nightclub-y bar experience you know anybody that's been there knows it so we would go there at night and of course spend all our money (laughs) so there was a few really really fantastic nights out there which was just really really good and I felt very comfortable in that in that place and very welcomed Um, and it was just yeah it was like I'd found you know you find your tribe you find the people that get you. You find the people that understand you. Um, and I think that's really, really important to to have that. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's like people that were in the astronomy club that I was part of or, you know, the folks that I went to Bennett's with or whoever, you know, it was, but when you find your gang and the, you've got that shorthand and you can, and the best thing of all, you can just laugh. You know, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And I was very, very lucky um, to sort of fall into that that. <laughs> situation and I do you know I can't even tell you some of the things that we got up to it was just so naughty I was usually quite good it was um but the other ones were quite bad thank god there was no social media that's all I'm saying nothing on the Instagram stories at 2am <laughs> was Bennett's as wild as it was because I when I started going I remember my first I was 18 
well, actually, I was 17, but we won't say nothing. Um, <gasps> and I went to Bennett's for the first time, and it is wild. Like, Polo Lounge around the corner is a bit more of a standard place, should we say. But Bennett's was wild when I went. Was it like that when you went? I think it was. Um, although, to be fair, by the time we got there, we'd be finished work. We would probably get there when it was really <laughs> going, so it'd be about one o'clock in the morning. So it probably was. But I just, I just thought it was really... At that time, it was all Grace Jones, you know, the, the all, all the Grace Jones um, amazing videos because she was so groundbreaking, and they had screens up with all the videos on and that music and that. I mean, it was all about the music for me as well. I absolutely loved that. You know, I'd be pretty happy to go there. And sometimes we would go, and we wouldn't we wouldn't even have a drink because we were just like excited. We didn't need it. Do you know what I mean? You just didn't need it because it was just so fantastic. And my lovely, lovely pal Gary, he was so funny. I remember going up to his house one time. And he always had rules when you went to his house. Like when everybody turned up, you had to wear everybody had to wear shorts, and anybody that came wearing long trousers, they just get scissors and cut. <laughs> just cut. And then after wearing their tie, you just cut their tie off. He was one of the best characters, one of the best. Late lamented and just made me laugh an awful, awful lot. It was like a cabaret. It was just like being in a cabaret. We can clearly see that you know what you're doing, Lorraine, because literally my next question was about uh, LGBT allies, and I was going to ask where it came from. I've never understood that, why anybody... I don't. I just don't understand the fascination that other people seem to have with who people choose to fall in love with, or, you know, or to have flings with or naughty times. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. And you just think, for goodness sake, behave. It doesn't matter, because all, all any of us want is to be happy, contented, fulfilled um, and find somebody that we love or it can be more than one person or whatever you know whatever your thing is but as long as you're as long as you're all right with it you're not doing anybody any damage you know you're not hurting anybody then why I don't understand the the judgmental thing really does me in because I just don't get it I really 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 don't get it and it just doesn't make any sense and you know when you think about how we really have come far you know I've been to quite a few gay weddings now and they're joyous, like all weddings, you know, they're, they're joyful, of course they are. And you sort of think to yourself, why was this not allowed before? What was what was going on that, mm. that people would, you know, I don't understand why anybody could get upset with basically two people who love each other wanting to have a big party with all their pals and their family. And it doesn't like affect anyone else's lives, do you know what I mean? It's not affecting your life. I get so caught up in it all. You know, you, mm. you see people, especially people that are, you know, real kind of, if you like fundamental religious people, whatever their religion happens to be, and you're like, why don't you just go on with your life and mm. don't be so obsessed or bothered? Because you know, two guys getting married or two girls getting married, what is it to you? Yeah. You know what? What? Why do you get so? Why do you? It's that thing of you wonder what they're scared of and what they're. Mm. they're that always... It's like for something you dislike, you're obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever like experienced any like homophobic attitudes like during work? No, not now. And actually, to be fair, I've been very, very lucky because um, where, where I worked in the local newspaper, apart from the editor who was lovely, most of the people were really young. Mm. Um, and the, there was, you know, there was sort of my generation or, or younger, you know, as they were coming through and very eclectic. You know, there was people from all backgrounds. You know, there was me, there would be all different religions, all, all different nationalities. So I never really experienced that. I know it went on, don't be wrong, I absolutely do. But certainly for me, it was never, ever a problem. I 
well, I wouldn't have accepted it. Of course, I wouldn't have accepted it. It just wouldn't have, you know, because you can't, you know, you, that, that's one thing I think that, that I really, you know, people going about, I guess, your generation being snowflakes as if, mm. and it really upsets me because actually it's the absolute opposite because you will not tolerate the kind of things that probably, certainly my mum and dad's generation would, would tolerate. But instead of being kind of like not saying anything, you will say things, you will actually say, no, I'm really sorry, that's not right. And that's really important because if you don't speak up and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, what, what you know, whether it's racism or, or you know, or sexism or, or homophobia, whatever it may be. And um, if you accept it, you are, if you don't, if you don't call it out, you're almost letting it be acceptable, if you know yeah. what I mean. And so I, I think that the generation that's coming up now, it's brilliant because things are changing. I see that with my daughter and all of her friends and their attitudes. They're very much like what I always was, you know, like, mm -hmm. which is just get on with it. Nobody's bothered. It's fine. <laughs> and it's because my mum never, she never was like outwardly homophobic. Do you know what I mean? Um, like I tell the story to me every time that uh, when I came out, she made me throw out a good denim jacket because it was too poofy. A good denim jacket as well, Lorraine, I was fuming. But that was a bit like, but it was never like outwardly homophobic. And there was always a bit of a kind of live and let live attitude that seems to have changed a little bit, I think, with other stuff. But like, when I grown up, there's kind of, do what you want, as long as you don't support Celtic. <laughs> that was it. You should have said to your mum, mum, I'm a Celtic sport. And then if you told her that you were good, she'd go, oh, that's fine. It's not the worst thing. <laughs> no, it is getting better. It's, it depends, though, and it always has on where you live. I mean, it's much easier if you're in a city. Mm -hmm. Again, you're living in a very, very remote place, then it's hard. You know, it's really, really tough because it's tough to find other people that, that you can relate to. And then normally there's nowhere for you to go and, and meet other people and just, you know, whatever. So that's hard. I think that's very hard. And I think that still is a problem. Next one, a wee bit more tricky, is it is about kind of trans community. So uh, we I say this every single episode, and Reese is sick of hearing it, but like, this is why I get into student pride. Um, so I'm a wee bit older than some students here. I'm 29. Don't look at I know. <gasps> but it was because of trans stuff, because I see it as very much the same thing that happened to gay men and gay women just very, very recently. And um, I seen that you were messaging uh, Janie Godley just like, I think it was yesterday or today, like, of the kind of transphobic yes. abuse that she got. And it's like, how does that make you feel seeing that like representation and see the kind of abuse? Oh, terrible! You're absolutely right to equate it with what gay men and women were going through, um, and and now it's the same for the trans community. But I do really think that again, I think it will get better. It just has to take some time, and I do think that actually airing it and talking about it is absolutely vital. I really do. But for me. There's no, it's very straightforward. You know, a trans woman is a woman and a trans man is a man. And that's that. I've been very lucky to meet, I don't know if you know Jake and Hannah, they're gorgeous. They're a trans couple and they've just had their first wee baby yeah. um, during lockdown. And they are the nicest couple you could ever meet. They're just completely adorable. And what I love about them is they just live their lives. And by just living their lives, they show the whole world that they're just a man and a woman that got together Germany was probably a little bit more tricky than most and, and tough as well. But if you look at someone like Hannah, who was in the army, her position would have been absolutely horrific. 
and and now she was given, she really was and she talks about it a lot she was given real support you know when she, when when she went through her trans journey she was given an awful lot of support and um, and that is it's just it's just really important to see those two and um, I think really important especially for younger people maybe in their teens or, or much younger of course who are are just not sure of who they are and and they're trying to find their way like all of us are and yeah you know even when people are you know behave like idiots and and say hurtful horrible things there's a whole load of people who will support you now mm. I mean I remember doing interviews a long long time ago I, I talked to um I talked to a, a, a trans woman who used to be in the army again he was in the army and she went through the whole journey and she went through it she had a really really tough time and she, she taught me so much and um, on you know about how she was feeling and you know the how tough it was for her and she's a woman you know I mean I don't understand this everybody's getting terribly that's it it's very simple it's again this thing that we're talking about why does that matter so much to somebody else what you're calling yourself is that anything you've ever worried about like being outspoken about that is that ever something ever <laughs> not at all not at all um not in any way um I I just think that I think I think it's okay. I think what we have to do though is to make sure that people can ask questions. I mean, what was really good about Black Lives Matter was that people started having conversations. You know, white people, I mean, mm-hmm. because we're kind of like on eggshells and some of us not quite sure what to say. And it's a wee bit can be a little bit like that with them, um, particularly you know with the trans community because we you know we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to say anything out of turn. But sometimes that can make you not have the conversation, which is a shame. So I think it's important to have a climate where people can just genuinely ask questions um, because not be- because they're curious and they want to understand and they want to have empathy. So it's something a wee bit uh, less, less intense now. Um, drag Race, so many questions, but first, what was it like when you met RuPaul? Well, it was, I actually um, couldn't help myself, I curtsied. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I've never seen a more beautiful human being. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely, it's very tall. Very, very tall. And then with the wig. I mean, sorry, sorry, with her real hair. <laughs> yeah, okay. And you know what? It's that thing of, you know, she's in charge. It's her show and everything. So her name is on the show. She is the one that sets the tone. So, you know, instantly, as soon as you walk into the studio, you know that it's going to be fine because it's everybody's laughing. Everybody's having a nice time. They're all very professional. Everybody's getting on with it. But there's a lovely light atmosphere. Um, and, you know, I've been to places where that's not happened. Like if you're maybe interviewing somebody who can be very difficult, um, <coughs> Kevin Spacey. Paul, <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was a joy. And I was so excited. I was so excited. And it was fantastic. And I'm so glad that we got, because the British one is very different from the U, mm. the, the, the US one, I think. I agree. It was very, like, fresh. And it was classic yeah. British drag where it took the piss. And it was it was rough around the edges, but it was perfect at the same time. And what I like about that show is, for people that haven't watched it, you crazy things, it's got real heart. You know, yeah. when 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 everybody contestants start talking to one another and start talking about you know how their lives are and start opening up a wee bit more, it's really good. You know, you really understand them more and get to know them. And because of course their you know their drag personas are huge and enormous and fun and all of that, but. You know, when you get to the sort of vulnerable people under there, I think that's really, really important. Would you ever go back and guest judge? Well, I did. I'm not supposed to tell you, but I'm just going to tell you. Um, Exclusive! (laughs) 
the new series. I'll be in the new series. And you know, Raven, you know, gorgeous Raven. Yeah. Um, does does makeup for everybody? I oh, does it for everyone now. Because I did uh, Rue Paul and Michelle Bizarre's, um podcast, and that was amazing. It was just blatant and it was fantastic. It was really good. I was so starstruck, though. I really was. I was. I was trying to be cool. You know, trying. To be cool. <laughs> That's what David is now. Yeah, that's, that's you're my RuPaul, then. That's yes. it. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> do you have a favourite queen? Oh, I really like Courtney Act. I think because Courtney, um, I've interviewed her quite a few times, and she did our Hollywood um, slot for us. She she filled in for uh, Ross, um, and was brilliant. It was absolutely, but sharp, so sharp, so clever. And then I loved. Do you remember when she came down the room and she had the big wings? Yes. Oh my god! I mean, that was absolutely iconic. So I really, really like her. I think she's. I love bag of chips. I mm. love bag of chips. I think she's just. She's so. Could you imagine going out with her? I don't think I could. I don't think I've got the stamina for it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would keep up. I don't know. Yeah. I like Davina. I like Davina Campo as well. I think she's really lovely, and the Vivian's great. Um, I, I think she's she's a class act. She is a mm. class act. What was it? Bag of chips. Used to always say, "What is it?" That's better. <laughs> <laughs> How was your episode that you were on for the next series? Oh, it was great. It was really, really, really good. I mean, you have to sign, and, and well, you don't sign a loan disclosure thing. I don't mean that, but you, but they don't like you to talk about anything. But so we'll have to do another one. Just that, like, like when it comes out, we'll need to do another one, and then we can have a really good dissect yeah. of the whole episode. Everybody's just heard that. Lorraine has said yes to do another podcast. So. <laughs> Extravagant. Let's have us free just host a whole podcast dissecting Drag Race UK. Going back to the uh, you in school, right? Is there anything you would go back and you would change about that time frame, eighteen to twenty-two? That age, yeah. I wish I had a little bit more confidence in myself, and stupidly, and you know, we do this to ourselves, don't we? We, you know, women and men do this to ourselves. I thought I was a pudding. I thought I was a big lass, a big hefty lass and I wasn't and I wish I could go back and say you're fine you don't mm. need to go into the diets you don't need to be wearing clothes that cover you up because you're absolutely fine I think yeah and not to worry about so much not to be sort of worried and anxious about things that you've got absolutely no control over and just and, and actually go to more parties I would say <laughs> I went to my fair share of them but I would go to more parties but generally I, I, I had I had that time of my life was that I look back on with huge affection, you know, because I was learning the job and I was it was exciting and I was finding out things and I was getting to interview people and it was it was lovely. It was just a lovely time. And as well as that, you know, I spent a lot of time with my pals and although working in the, you know, working as waitress is bloody hard, especially when you're not very good at it. Um, it was really good and it always, I mean, to this day. When I go to a restaurant, I get really, really upset if people are nasty to the waiters. You can always tell a lot by how people treat hospitality staff, can't you? Totally, totally. And you can always tell a lot by how people in the public eye treat the person that brings them a cup of tea, the person that makes them up, and um, you know, the person that's sort of running around looking after them. And um, if they treat them with respect, then and and you know, as part of the team, you just know that's a nice person. Mm. You know, some like, like uh, Hugh Jackman is the nicest man to interview because it's like what I was saying earlier about creating the atmosphere, you know, about RuPaul creating the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
exactly the same. And when you go, and it's it's very exciting. You know, you go to a hotel and you interview these wonderful people. Um, and and some of them aren't so wonderful, but he is. And as soon as you get on to the floor, you know, they take over the whole floor. It's it's crazy. I mean, now they just do it on Zoom. They'll probably that's what they'll do now. And people are laughing and people are having a good time. It's because he's a good guy. Is it? So is that the favorite your favorite person you've interviewed? Is Hugh Jackman? Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Because I'm such a you know, such a space geek. Um, I had to interview Neil Armstrong's son, you know, the first man in the moon. Mm. So I was beside myself. Buzz Aldrin, the second man in the moon, I actually got to interview. And again, you know, I was just fangirling all over the place. That was extraordinary. I was, uh, that was amazing. I didn't get to interview her, sadly, but my very, very first day on TBAM, um, I was, this is years ago, this is 1984. Um, and I came down to London and and Diamond and Mike Morris were interviewing Bette Davis and she was oh. in the studio. So I was kind of, I shared oxygen with Bette Davis. I didn't obviously didn't say anything to her because you can't, <laughs> but you know what? She was smoking a fag and she just, obviously she's Bette Davis and she's smoking a fag and you're not allowed to smoke in studios. It's like absolutely not allowed. You know, it really isn't. And nobody had, I mean, who is going to say to Bette Davis, put your fag out? I mean, come on. <laughs> No way, you're never going to say that. But that was that's when I realised, oh my gosh, this is very special mm-hmm. to be, you know, allowed into this world. You know, it's just a quick kind of sneaked in, um, and that was quite that was something else. I'll never forget that. And it she was teeny teeny tiny. It wasn't long. Sadly, I think she died not that long afterwards, and she's like a little birdie. But oh my goodness, be the the presence, you know, the sheer charisma was just something else. That's. That's a very good story. Pop that, says I. If you need a campo chatting about labour, no, you know, that's it. <laughs> Still game. So you did a little bit in that. I did. What was it like? What was the whole experience like? Fabulous. And I'll show you what was the most fabulous thing about it was we did the sketch, which was really, really funny. It was just two of the characters that were really old. Um, and they just had, when I say really old, they're probably my age, 61 or something. No, they were older. But anyway, they uh, had a baby, so they're the oldest parents. And then all the other characters were watching it in the pub. And what I didn't know was what they were saying. So when I watched it on the telly, um, all I heard, the first thing they say is, oh, there's the oh, she's quite pumpable. <laughs> <laughs> And then they said, um, one of the other ones went, oh, she's not as pumpable as Judy Finnegan. <laughs> oh, my God. They are wonderful. They're just genius. Absolute genius. It was it was an honour. Uh, do you know what it is, Reese? Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. It's like, it's it's two Scottish comedians and they're, they pretend to be old men um, in this old, and the, the, the heart of it is this pub. I'm going to have to go on YouTube and have a look. Again, I'm going with the Scottish question. Deal with it, Reese. Um, I've been down for, I think, seven years now, right? Is there anything since you moved down? So you're you're back in Scotland now, aren't you? You moved back. In no, <clears throat> we're down here. Okay. Because of lockdown, I can't get back up as much as mm. I would because my mum and dad are obviously still up there. Um, but I I sort of travelled up and down for years. You know, there's a wee airport in Dundee, wee tiny mm. airport, a wee flight that used to go uh, London City Dundee, and it was a it was a joy. It was really easy. It was really really easy. But um, no, I'm down here all the time now, and okay. I don't. And we just stay here down now. But I used to, I always thought it was really good to have somewhere at home. But then when Rosie, my daughter, when she left, she went to Singapore for about four years. She's back now. And then we decided to come back here so it was easier. We could all be together rather than... Because you know what used to happen? It was really annoying. I'd be out in Scotland, maybe we were going out, and I would have, like, the dress, 
and I would have, you know, everything. But no shoes. <laughs> I mean, I, was, I once had to go to do my slippers. I'm not kidding you. There were posh slippers, right? But all I had was slippers and a pair of hill climbing boots. And I thought, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was always, I would never have the right thing. You know, mm. I mean, God, you know, first world problems. But I would never have the right thing in the right house because I had a wee tiny flat here in London and then I had my, my house, my proper house. So I was very lucky. Is it anything you, what was the thing you missed the most about Scotland when you kind of being down I here? Remember, and the fact that, and I don't I don't mean this for the rest of England, but in London, people are very reserved by and large. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that when I first came down, you know, I would be in the underground and I'd be in the bus queue and in Glasgow, you just would talk to one another. And I found that quite strange, you know, that people were just a little bit more reserved and then, you know, when I, I was, I would be trying to strike up conversations. But the people really, yeah, the people in the sense the humour is a big thing for me because I, I, it, it's so I didn't realise there was such a difference. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, but I, things I would say and I'd be like, oh, that's funny, and people would be like, I, I don't get it. Even some words. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I had to watch when I first came down about words, but even when I went from Glasgow to Dundee, you know, I, I wouldn't get the certain things. I would go, ah, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what that is. Do you know what a shivery bite is? Shivery bite. A shivery bite is, you know, when you go to the swimming and you come out and you go, Ooh, and you're a little bit. Sh- and you have a sweetie or, a, or I don't know, a poke of chips or something. Um, Glasgow's a different beast though. Like we have, I feel like just have a whole dialect that's so different. Because I've been with my partner about nearly four years and I still pop up with a different word and he's like, you're joking about that one. That one's not real. And I'm like, honestly, it is. Sometimes I sit with my gang and they go, and I'll sometimes go, I don't know what the English is for wheesht. Or I, I, I don't know what the English is for galoot. <laughs> because galoot is much more than just a big dafty, you know, mm-hmm. like Boris is obviously agalute, but it's like there's lots more of other things that you you know, and then they go, "What's what is agalute?" And it's really hard to explain some of the words. And I, I was a I was a like call center person. Oh, yeah. I know I went, "Hi, it's David. What are you doing?" And they'd be like, "What's that? Get that phone." <laughs> sorry, sorry, we're just chatting away. It's fine. I'm enjoying it. I've had All a tear right. in my eye. Look, right. laughing. He has no clue what we're seeing. I've written, I'm going to write some notes and just Google them later. I'm trying to think, I've lost questions. Reese, should you get any questions? I, I need a wee minute to calm down. Do you get any questions, Reese? I don't, honestly. I'm just here for the chat. <laughs> well, we're going to another one, aren't we, after RuPaul? Exactly. But it's great. It's just so nice to talk to you. It really is. It's just very refreshing. Honestly, Lorraine, you have been an absolute delight. Lovely and- to talk Thank you for agreeing to come on. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Bye. Bye, Lorraine. Oh, isn't she just the most wonderful person? We had such an amazing time speaking to Lorraine, and I really hope you enjoyed the first episode of The Tea with NSP. Next week, we have the legend of the first series of RuPaul's Drag Race UK, Davina DeCampo. She discusses her years in university, section 28, and how Davina became, well, Davina. That episode goes live next Thursday, so subscribe to the podcast, get notified, share it with your friends, you know the drill by now. And don't forget, tickets for National Student Pride 2021 are now available. We have an entire week this year, so you cannot miss out on anything. Just head over to our website, studentpride.co.uk, and get your free tickets for the event starting April 19th. So, until next week, I'm Morgan, thank you for joining me. Please don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you next week for more Shits and Giggles. Bye.